In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the rectors here. I've been on sabbatical most of the summer. This may be the first time I've seen you in three months, or the first time you've seen me ever. It's good to be back. Uh, Father Spencer and Ben put me on the preaching schedule this week. It's nice that we have, I came not to bring peace to the earth, but division (laughs) for my first Sunday back. Jeremiah, the, the, the reading today from Jeremiah says, is, it, is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? From the psalm, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak And the orphan maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. We turn to the New Testament now. In Hebrews, others were tortured. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep goats, destitute, persecuted. They wandered in the deserts and the mountains and the caves and the hole in the ground. Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth. Do you think that I have come to bring peace? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, families will be divided. Good thing we sent the kids out. Here's the good news today, friends. We're going to need to hear it a lot. God's fire is never power blind. It's a love that exposes injustice and purifies iniquity. Church, let us live in the light of this justice-seeking love today. What injustice is God's love exposing in our lives today? What division does love reveal or create? And what do we do? A brief word about fire. Jesus has been speaking about in this part of Luke's gospel about the need to be ready in the face of crisis, keeping watch, staying alert, etc. Fire in scripture is a metaphor that connotes a lot of things. Warmth, light, Purification and sometimes destruction consumes things. I don't know about you, but I tend to only think of destruction when I hear the word fire. But here and in many other places, fire is not referring to destruction. It's fire here, I came to bring fire on the earth. Jesus is talking about exposing what is happening. 
bringing light to the darkness in order to purify and heal. This fire, says Jesus, brings division. Now, this is tricky because Jesus in other places talks about coming to make peace, right? And it's important that we get clear today that peacemaking isn't about keeping peace. Let me say that again. Peacemaking isn't about keeping peace because not everyone wants peace. If we think of peace as no conflict, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Peace is righteous just living with each other, right? That's what peace is. Just relating, just organization of society. But there's people who don't want that. Who? The people who profit off of injustice. The people whose power or privilege or pennies, I can do this all day. The people who make profit off of injustice. And so, if light comes to expose the injustice people have created in order to benefit themselves, that light will expose division that already exists, and the people who are implicated won't be happy. They'll get a, their, their, their pantalones will get in a bunch. So there's two things about this before we get into like talking more about division. Injustice creates division. And when that gets exposed, the people who are exposed create more division. Does that make sense? There's a double divisiveness sandwich. But God's fire is never power blind. It's a love that exposes injustice and purifies iniquity. Church, let us live in the light of this justice-dealing love today. What injustice does God want to expose in our lives here? What division does love reveal or create? And how do we respond? We got to talk about division, friends, because this is big. This is all over the place. Sometimes it's called polarization. Has anybody heard about polarization? Division. So three things. One, I've been cooking this sermon for two months, so I might go over 15 minutes. Just (laughs) get ready. Three things about division, okay? Not all division is equal. Two, division is inevitable. Three, division isn't the real problem. Injustice is. Not all division is equal. Division is inevitable. And division isn't really our problem. Injustice is. This week, um, I lost my biscuit on my son got a little cranked up. 
he, uh, he, he had uh, a friend had taken him to Kings Island down in Cincinnati, and he had ridden roller coasters basically for the first time in his life. I mean, he'd gone to Disney World, and they've got some fake roller coasters, but he did the <laughs> real ones, and he was in love. 13-year-old, dopamine, you know what I'm saying? Say no more. He was in love. Then we went to Gen Con last weekend, um, which is a huge gaming like um, convention downtown, and he had a blast. And then Monday morning, he's like, Dad, I want to go back to Kings Island. And I was like, well, that'll cost us around $300, and I don't have $300, so no. And, and he started to yell at me, and he started to get really animated. I got his uh, permission to share this story before church. And, and I decided that what a yelling, almost 14-year-old needed was for a 46-year-old to start yelling. <laughs> right? That's what he needs. And so I powered up in voice and body. I said a few Christian swear words. <laughs> and I let him know with uh, plenty of volume that he was being an ungrateful uh, cotton-headed ninny muggins. <laughs> and in, as soon as I did it, uh, speaking of dopamine, I felt really, uh, in, one, in one sense, like I had released a lot of um, things that were stored in my body, cortisol and other things, but I also felt an incredible amount of guilt <clears throat> because I knew that I had, I had misused power in a situation where one person needed to maintain a non-anxious presence, and it usually isn't going to be the almost 14-year-old. <laughs> Not all division is equal. It needs to be discerned. Some division is caused by sin, and some by love. Now follow me. Here, please, follow me. Notice how important it is to see power here. I have loads of power over my son, and when I misuse it, it's sin. And God's love, God's purifying, exposing love, opposes my injustice against my son. Praise be to Jesus. In maybe an analogous way, in the United States for hundreds of years, white people have benefited from a system of white supremacy that puts them in a place of power. And God's love opposes white supremacy because it causes unholy, unjust division. White supremacy is what causes division. Opposing white supremacy isn't divisive. Yeah. Speaking of, I bring that up because speaking about white supremacy has led to a division in our actual affiliation or denomination. 
there are many people that think it's uh, reverse racism, that, that it's hating white people and hating white skin. And uh, personally, I've spent hours on the phone with people who don't like the fact that I speak about white supremacy. Hours. And there's anxiety in this. We want to ameliorate or assuage other people's anger about exposing injustice. And I'm not good with people being angry at me. I I really don't like it. Does anybody like it? (laughs) Ooh, that's a surprise. (laughs) You don't like it either, yes. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't, want, I don't want it. I don't, I'm not looking for that. So, so because I don't like it, because I get anxious when people are angry at me, talking about white supremacy feels divisive. Because it exposes injustice that doesn't want to be exposed. And those who participate or benefit from that injustice get threatened and angry. God's fire is never power blind. It's a love that exposes injustice and purifies iniquity. Church, let us live in the light of this justice-dealing love today. Where in your life, your life, our life together, is God opposing our injustice? What division does love reveal or create, and how do we respond? So not all division is equal. Me yelling at my son, that's divisive sin. Naming injustice, not divisive sin. Right? Got it. Number two, some division is inevitable. It's just inevitable. We can discern together, right, that my yelling at my son is division that could be, should be avoided. Hey, stop doing that so often. I need to grow up and deal with my dad issues or mom issues or both. But that's not the same thing as white people being upset at other white people for naming white supremacy as a problem. It's to be expected that people who benefit from injustice or can't see injustice will get angry when that injustice is exposed. Over and over again in scriptures, our text from today They pointedly name injustice over and over and over again. And what happens to people who talk about it? They got to wear animal skins and they get flogged, sawn in two. Action against injustice will be met with resistance. This feels like a duh thing, right? But like we just got to like look at each other now and be like, people aren't going to like this. And resistance creates division, more division, and suffering. And God sees and cares about it. Some people get offended. Some people we threaten. Some take it personally. Even some people really close to us. Even people in our own families, Jesus says. Division is inevitable because injustice abounds. And so let us eschew or cast off this uh, settling for a 
false peace, a peace peace where there is no peace, we could say, that seeks unity over justice. This is a strategy employed to resist God's love. We must learn to discern what kind of division we're experiencing so we can deal with it faithfully. God's fire is never power blind. It's a love that exposes injustice and purifies iniquity. Church, let us live in light of this justice-dealing love today. What injustice is God's love exposing in our lives? What division does that love reveal or create? So, not all division is equal. Division is inevitable. And division ain't the real problem, no matter what our bodies tell us. Injustices. I brought up polarization. There's a lot of public hand-wringing by uh, white Christians uh, about polarization. And no doubt, if you've been paying attention since about 2014, the world's freaking out. Like, things are just nutso, right? And it seems like there's no end in sight, right? But the problem, is we, the problem isn't we can't talk to each other anymore. Social media amplifies but isn't the cause of polarization. And have all the conversations and dinners that you like. Sometimes those can be helpful. Some division can be healed by more listening, but some divisions cannot. When I sinned against my son, it wouldn't be accurate to describe that situation as the Tebbies having a division in their family. It wouldn't be fair to say, my son and I are not seeing eye to eye right now. What's wrong with that? Well, he's 14 and I'm 46. I have way more power than him, and his yelling at me is not the same as me yelling at him. If we miss that, we miss everything. So follow with me. It's actually harmful, not just unhelpful. It's actually harmful for someone to say to my son, what you really need to do, Deacon, is just sit down and have dinner with your dad and listen to him. Is that an amen? I hear it. If we talk about this situation as family conflict, we aren't doing justice. If we say things like, the problem is dad and son can't really talk to each other, we aren't doing justice. This obscures the injustice that was done. There's no repentance or repair when we do that. It actually encourages my son to move towards more harm. And when done... And when done repeatedly over time, creates a dynamic which, where abuse is condoned and conditioned to those without power living in increasingly anxiety, trauma, and fear. This may or may not happen on a cultural level all the time. 
And the irony is, this is the exact injustice that God's love comes to oppose. If we learn to see power and oppose injustice, we are empowered to say, hey, Dad, you misused your power. And until that is rectified, rectification made, there can be no peace or justice in this relationship. So polarization, then, isn't the real problem between Deacon and me. It's injustice. Polarization isn't the real problem between white and black people. We don't have a racial divide or racial conflict. We have a white supremacy problem. Now, polarization is maybe the problem in worship wars. Let's say some people want contemporary music and some people want traditional music. And, and Joel's guitar is the battleground. <laughs> Why, Joel? Why? But there's not injustice there, friends. It's just preference. Preferences can create polarization. Polarization does exist, but there's no injustice if you have to listen to Chris Tomlin. (laughs) Or Isaac Watts. Oh, gosh. God's fire is never power blind. It's a love that exposes injustice and purifies iniquity. Church, let us live in the light of this justice-dealing love today. Where does this love want to expose injustice in our own lives? How does that love then reveal or even create division? How do we respond? Well, here's, let me give five ways to respond. I think I'm at 13 minutes. Number one, become a people who can see power and how it works. We just have to. We can see it, like with me and my son, you're like, oh yeah, of course. But there's other places that it's at work and we can't see it as well. Between men and women. Between people of color and between white people. Between sexual minorities and people who are heteronormative. This is a huge issue in our culture. Huge. And it's not about personal feelings of animosity. Power can be at work in unjust ways And you may not want it to be. We have to learn how to see power and how it works. Two, we have to become a people who learn how to oppose injustice. This isn't my birthright as a white Christian. I know how to keep things copacetic. You think I like talking about division and fire? I was was talking to Phil earlier. He came here the first Sunday and I was talking about gun violence. And and this is the next Sunday I'm preaching. I'm like, well, you're going to think I talk about this all the time, Phil, but I honestly don't, and I don't want to. (laughs) I don't know how to oppose injustice very well, but we have to become a people who can oppose things. Three, become a people who know how to have an enemy. This is really hard. (sighs) A lot of us... um, I want to be clear so Rachel doesn't raise her hand again. (laughs) A lot of us come out of a faith that we were raised in 
that was built on a culture war. We were taught to fear and hate people as Christians, right? And I want to say, I actually think there's spiritual trauma that a lot of us have because of that. And so then, our response to that trauma is to stay away from opposing anything. Because we know how to oppose in a really demonic, ugly way, but we don't know how to oppose in a drawing in the dirt way and telling people to put down their weapons and stop picking on this woman. And I just want to say, it's legitimate. That trauma and abuse is legitimate, and there's healing in Christ Jesus. So the culture war PTSD, I see it. And God wants to purify us from it. Number four, we got to become people who take dominion over our own anxiety so we can love other people well, not simply react out of our own triggering. Naming injustice creates anxiety in us. Here, let me show you. <laughs> it's easier to get a weapon that can kill 19 kids and two adults in Avedi, Texas than it is to get affordable health care in the United States. Not just kill children, but make their bodies almost unrecognizable. May feel a bit of it? That's an injustice. We have entire parties, political parties, who explicitly say they want to make it easier to have weapons that can massacre other humans than it is to get insulin for $35 a month. Now, me telling you that isn't divisive, but it feels like it, doesn't it? Not supposed to say this. Not supposed to actually name this. We're supposed to thoughts and prayers it. But feel that anxiety. Because we gotta, we got to accommodate it. we got to find room for it. We have to face and befriend it if we're going to oppose injustice in the love of Jesus. I had about six other examples to increase our anxiety, but because I'm at 14 minutes. Number five. Becoming a people who are quick to resolve unholy division so we can faithfully bear holy division for the sake of the kingdom. Become people who are quickly able to own our anger or our envy or our greed with each other so that we can be reconciled together. Dealing with unholy division so that we can bear the justice-dealing fire of love that exposes and reveals injustice there. God's fire is never power blind. It's a love that exposes injustice and purifies iniquity. Church, let us live in the light of this justice-seeking love today. That love, that light, it purifies us. It burns it away. Not to consume and destroy, but to heal and save. Where does God's love expose our injustice today?
And how does that love enable us to bear the inevitable division that God's kingdom will bring? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.